Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, November 4th, 2022 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, Coffee versus Tea, Which is Better for You? from the Washington Post. And Medical Breakthroughs That Are Changing Lives Now from AARP Magazine. And more, time permitting. Here's our first report. Coffee versus Tea Smackdown. Which beverage will claim the world title for healthiest drink? By Anahad O'Connor, Aaron Steckelberg, and Garland Potts from the Washington Post. Do you start your mornings with a potent dose of caffeine from a freshly brewed cup of joe? Or do you prefer a slightly less caffeinated nudge from a warm and gentle cup of tea? Whatever your preference, scientists have found that regularly drinking coffee or tea can provide a variety of health benefits. But how do coffee and tea compare in a head-to-head matchup? We took a look at the research, and here's what we found. Round 1. A Source of Fiber Did you know that your morning coffee includes a dose of fiber? One study found that, on average, coffee has between 1.1 and 1.8 grams of fiber per cup, depending on whether it's filtered, espresso, or instant. That might not sound like much, but it's more fiber than you'll find in orange juice, which has about a half a gram of fiber per cup. You'll still need to eat plenty of fruits and vegetables to get the recommended 25 grams of daily fiber, but two or three cups of coffee a day can help you get there. A cup of tea, on the other hand, typically will not help you meet your daily fiber requirements, unless, of course, you decide to munch on the tea leaves. Score one for coffee. Round two, mental focus. Need to get some work done? Studying for a big exam? The caffeine in both coffee and tea will help you concentrate. Studies show that caffeine can improve your attention span, vigilance, alertness, and reaction time. But too much caffeine can lead to jitteriness and over-arousal, which can end up hurting your performance. The amount of caffeine in coffee and tea can vary widely depending on a lot of factors, but according to the Mayo Clinic, an 8-ounce cup of brewed coffee contains around 100 milligrams of caffeine. Espresso and instant coffee have less. By comparison, an 8-ounce cup of black tea has around 50 milligrams of caffeine. An 8-ounce cup of green tea has 28 milligrams of caffeine. So which is better, coffee or tea? One study asked people to drink four cups of coffee or tea throughout the day. Both beverages had similar effects on alertness and cognitive performance, but the tea had one big advantage over coffee. It had enough caffeine to aid performance, but not so much that it disrupted sleep. Score one for tea. Round three a boon to the gut microbiome. Coffee and tea are good sources of polyphenols, plant compounds that are thought to confer many health benefits. Studies suggest that polyphenols can lower your risk of developing chronic diseases 
and they are rocket fuel for beneficial bacteria that make up your gut microbiome, the communities of trillions of microbes that live inside our guts, said Tim Spector, a professor at King's College London. Coffee has significantly more polyphenols than green tea, and green tea has more polyphenols than black tea. Spectre and his colleagues can tell whether someone is a coffee drinker just by analyzing their poop. There are specific microbes that seem to grow pretty well in people who drink a lot of coffee, he said. They haven't found a similar effect in tea drinkers. This round goes to coffee. Round four, lower risk for heart disease. According to large population studies, coffee and tea both appear to be good for your heart, lowering risk for heart disease and stroke. But these studies aren't conclusive. It may be that coffee and tea drinkers have a lot of other heart-healthy habits, like exercising more or eating healthier diets. But it appears the antioxidants and polyphenols in coffee and tea have a protective effect on heart health. Clinical trials show that regularly consuming tea, especially green tea, may slightly improve blood pressure and cholesterol. Drinking decaffeinated coffee, about two to four cups a day, has also been linked to reductions in heart disease. This suggests that any cardiovascular benefits from drinking coffee and tea probably stem from compounds other than caffeine. There are more studies linking coffee to heart health than there are for tea, but you can't go wrong either way. Looks like this round is a draw. Round five, lower cancer risk. Many studies over the years have found that coffee drinkers have lower rates of cancer, including a meta-analysis of 59 studies across 40 cohorts that showed regular coffee drinkers had a 13% lower risk of developing cancer compared to seldom or never drinkers. Regular coffee drinking may offer some protection against colorectal, prostate, liver, endometrial, oral, and breast cancers. The data aren't conclusive, but the American Cancer Society says coffee contains hundreds of biologically active compounds, including some that have been shown to reduce inflammation, prevent damage to cells, and regulate genes involved in DNA repair. Whether it's cancer, obesity, or heart disease, Inflammation is the enemy, and one way you can dampen inflammation is by drinking coffee, said Sanjeev Chopra, a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and the author of Coffee, the Magic Elixir. So far, studies haven't found a link between tea consumption and cancer prevention. One meta-analysis of 113 studies found little evidence to support the hypothesis that tea drinking is associated with cancer risk. In this round, at least from the studies so far, coffee is the clear favorite. Round six, type two diabetes. A cup of coffee can produce a short-term spike in blood sugar levels due to the caffeine it contains. Yet large studies show that people who routinely drink coffee are less likely to develop type two diabetes. Marilyn C. Cornelis, an associate professor of preventive medicine at Northwestern University and an expert on coffee, tea, and caffeine metabolism, says this could be due to coffee's large concentration of cholergenic acid, a polyphenol that's been shown in some studies to
to improve insulin sensitivity and blood sugar control. A meta-analysis of research that included more than one million people found that those who drank up to four cups of coffee daily had a 25% lower risk of developing diabetes compared to people who drank little or no coffee. People who drank up to four cups of decaf a day had a 20% lower risk. Coffee is highly beneficial for reducing the risk of diabetes, said Cornelis. While tea does not contain cholerogenic acid, it does have other plant compounds that are thought to be beneficial for blood sugar control. But studies looking at the relationship between tea consumption and diabetes risk have produced conflicting findings. Some suggest that having four or more cups of green, black, or oolong tea daily can reduce diabetes risk. A meta-analysis of randomized trials found that green tea could reduce blood sugar levels. But other studies have found no clear link between tea and diabetes risk. Ultimately, experts say the evidence that coffee may be at least somewhat protective against diabetes is stronger than it is for tea. Another win for coffee. Round 7. Stress Levels If you want a smooth and gentle beverage that might even melt some stress away, then look no further than tea, or as the famous author P.L. Travers called it, balm for the soul. Studies have found that when people are stressed, drinking green or black tea can help them feel more relaxed and lower their levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. Studies suggest that this is in part due to L-theanine, a compound found in tea, particularly green and black teas, that seems to promote relaxation. L-theanine has kind of a calming effect, Cornelis at Northwestern said. It's sometimes even included in melatonin supplements to help with sleep. Compared to tea, coffee contains much higher levels of caffeine, and caffeine is known to stimulate cortisol levels and elevate your mood. But as anyone who's ever had one too many energy drinks or cups of coffee can attest, caffeine can also cause jitteriness, anxiety, and insomnia when consumed in excess. Long story short, if it's relaxation you're after, then a cup of tea is your safest bet. Another round goes to tea. Round 8. Longevity. Coffee and tea lovers rejoice. Coffee and tea drinkers tend to live longer than people who don't drink either beverage. For tea drinkers, both green and black tea are associated with greater longevity. In one recent study, scientists followed a half million people over a 14-year period and found that people who drank at least two cups of tea daily had a 9 to 13 percent lower risk of dying during the study period compared to non-tea drinkers. The study was carried out in the United Kingdom, where most of the tea drinkers consumed black tea. But large studies of green tea drinkers have reached similar findings. Black tea, and especially green tea, are rich in polyphenols and other beneficial compounds, and these compounds could potentially reduce stress and inflammation in the body, said Maki Inui Choi, a staff scientist at the National Institutes of Health and lead author of the recent tea study. More research is needed to understand the potential mechanisms involved. As for coffee, a July study followed almost 172,000 people and found that those who drank 2.5 to 4.5 cups of coffee per day 
had a 30% lower likelihood of dying during the roughly seven years of the study compared to people who didn't drink coffee. Even those who drank their coffee with a teaspoon of sugar seemed to gain a benefit. These studies come with an important limitation. They are observational, meaning they can't prove causation. But tea and coffee provide so many health benefits that it's reasonable to conclude that they could lower your odds of an early death, say experts. Chopra at Harvard Medical School pointed out that at least five large studies in leading medical journals have now shown that coffee drinkers have lower mortality rates. These studies keep coming and coming, he said. This round is a draw. And the winner is... In this battle over health benefits, coffee comes out on top. Coffee drinkers can raise a mug to fiber, microbiome health, and lowering risk of cancer and diabetes. But tea drinkers do not despair. Tea is undoubtedly good for your blood pressure, cholesterol, stress levels, mental health, and productivity. And both drinks are winners when it comes to heart health and longevity. And for tea especially, there are likely more health benefits that are yet to be discovered. One reason coffee is linked to more health benefits than tea is that it's been the subject of far more studies, said Chopra at Harvard Medical School. I tell my tea drinker friends that we may learn in the years to come that tea has additional benefits, he added. If you are neither a coffee nor a tea drinker, don't feel pressured to change. The Dietary Guidelines for Americans state that people who don't drink coffee or tea aren't encouraged to start. Plain or flavored water and milk are also good healthy options. There is one final category in the tea and coffee smackdown that should be considered. Popularity. It's been estimated that the world drinks three cups of tea for every cup of coffee. And tea is the second most popular beverage in the world. The first is water. Up next, medical breakthroughs that are changing lives now. Maximize heart health, prevent vision loss, reverse brain disease, detect cancers, boost lung power. The news is full of promising developments that may one day lead to a brighter, healthier future. But for our annual survey of the latest medical breakthroughs, we decided to focus on game changers that are improving lives today. Each of these astounding new technologies and treatments is available now or in the near future to make your life and the lives of millions of other Americans better. By Sari Harar from AARP Magazine. Heart Disease. The Breakthrough smart stethoscopes for early heart disease diagnosis. Charles Griggs eats healthily most of the time and plays golf and basketball whenever he can, yet he's long had a nagging worry about his heart. As an athlete growing up, I always seemed to get tired first, he says. I wondered if I had a slight heart murmur, he adds. Last summer, Griggs, age 61, a public relations professional from Jacksonville, Florida, participated in a health screening, and one tool the doctor had on hand was a smart stethoscope, which can detect the slightest of murmurs. Griggs' heart was fine, but several people screened that day showed signs of heart disease. Five to ten percent of people we screen have some form of valvular heart disease or atrial fibrillation, says Antoine Keller, M.D., 
a cardiothoracic surgeon and co-founder of HeartSense, a nonprofit project aimed at detecting heart disease and other risks in underserved populations. This stethoscope allows doctors to identify heart murmurs before they can be heard. It changes the paradigm for early diagnosis, Keller says. Heart valve disease affects 8.5 to 13.2 percent of adults over age 65, boosting their risk for heart failure, stroke, and blood clots as valve flaps thicken and stiffen with age, weakening the heart's ability to pump blood. Early diagnosis can improve a patient's prognosis, but conventional stethoscopes often miss it, so people have no warning. In a 2017 British study of 251 older adults with no cardiovascular symptoms, regular stethoscopes detected just 32% of early valve problems and only 43% of more serious cases. The smart stethoscope, called the Echo Duo, is a stethoscope plus electrocardiogram, or ECG. Cleared by the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, it amplifies heart, lung, and other body sounds up to 32 times, performs a single-lead ECG, and analyzes the data on a smartphone app for subtle signs of heart disease, including heart murmurs and atrial fibrillation, or AFib. The analysis uses machine learning algorithms developed with one of the world's largest repositories of clinically validated heart sounds, says co-founder and CEO Connor Landgraf. In studies, the Echo Duo detected murmurs 88% of the time and AFib 99% of the time. Smart stethoscopes like the Echo Duo could help close gaps in the diagnosis and treatment of patients from low-income, underserved, and rural communities, Keller says. African Americans, for example, are 54% less likely than white individuals to be referred to a specialist for heart valve problems, and 14% less likely to have severely damaged heart valves replaced. Still, Keller points out, using smart stethoscopes to find these diseases is just one part of the larger solution. If you don't take care of your wellness, you'll have to take care of your illness, Keller says. Vision, the breakthrough, eye implants for age-related macular degeneration. When Melinda Roth, age 63, tried to read the eye chart during a routine vision check in 2017, the view from her left eye had gone completely dark. I couldn't see anything, she says. I accused my doctor of playing a joke on me. A visit to the emergency room at Will's Eye Hospital in Philadelphia revealed that Roth had age-related macular degeneration, or AMD, the leading cause of severe vision loss in people 50 and older. In her left eye, Roth had wet AMD, a fast-moving advanced stage of the disease in which abnormal leaky blood vessels damage the macula, the part of the eye responsible for reading, driving, recognizing faces, and more. The standard treatment is regular eye injections of drugs to reduce blood vessel growth and leakage. But Roth's doctors asked her if she would like to join a clinical trial of an eye implant device that eliminates or reduces the need for injections by releasing a steady dose of the anti-VEGF drug ranibizumab or Lucentis. She said yes. The device, called Susvimo, is the size of a grain of rice. It was implanted in the upper part of Roth's left eye under the eyelid where it can't be seen or impede her vision. 
She received the implant but began her treatment by getting the monthly injections. After two or three shots, my vision began to improve, she says. It went from black to gray to as if there's a lace curtain in front of my left eye, she says. Once her implant was fully operational, she no longer needed injections in her eye, though some people with the implant still get occasional supplemental injections to control blood vessel growth, says Carl D. Regillo, M.D., chief of the retina service at Wills Eye Hospital and principal investigator in Sysvimo's Phase two and three clinical trials. For Roth, it was a relief. While the shots didn't hurt, she says nothing can prepare you for the doctor coming at you with a needle in your eye. The hardest part is keeping your hands down, not shooing them away, she says. Roth still needs regular eye exams and six-month refills of the implant. The FDA approved the device in October of 2021. Research shows it works as well as monthly injections, although it has a higher rate of side effects, including redness, pain, and light sensitivity, as well as infection, cataracts, and erosion of the surface of the eye. The real value of the implant is in maintaining steady doses of the anti-VEGF drug. If there are gaps in treatment, you lose disease control, resulting in permanent vision loss for many of our patients, Virgilio says. In the real world, patients often can't get to the office frequently enough to maintain the gains from their early visits. The patient may not be able to drive to the office themselves and may rely on caregivers. It becomes logistically difficult and anxiety-provoking. The shots don't hurt, but they aren't pleasant, he says. Brain Health, The Breakthrough, Ultrasonic Parkinson's Relief Mark Whitman and his son Aaron celebrate baseball season every year by watching the movie Field of Dreams and playing catch in Whitman's backyard in Greencastle, Pennsylvania. Worsening symptoms of his Parkinson's disease, however, were making the decades-old tradition really difficult, says Whitman, age 59. But after undergoing incisionless brain surgery called focused ultrasound in January 2022, he says throwing the ball was once again real smooth. Like a magnifying glass concentrating sunlight, focused ultrasound aims beams of sound energy deep into the brain, heating up and destroying cells associated with the movement problems in both Parkinson's disease and essential tremor, a nervous system disorder that also causes involuntary shaking. The procedure doesn't cure the underlying causes of these conditions, which together affect at least 8 million Americans. But research shows this FDA-approved procedure can calm shaking, stiffness, and other movement problems that interfere with everyday activities. In a recent study, focused ultrasound reduced tremors by 38 to 50 percent for people with essential tremor. Another study found that, in addition, it eased tremors, muscle rigidity, and uncontrolled movements caused by the Parkinson's medication Levodopa by about 76%. Lingering side effects in one study included numbness and tingling, with 9% of users, imbalance or unsteadiness for 4%, and muscle weakness or walking disturbance for 2% each. Focused ultrasound is best for tremors that affect one side of the body, says Howard M. Eisenberg, M.D., a professor of neurosurgery at the University of Maryland School of Medicine, who performs the procedure using a focused ultrasound system called the Exablate Neuro. Helping one side can have a major effect on quality of life, he says. Another Parkinson's treatment, 
Deep brain stimulation can relieve symptoms on both sides of the body, but it carries a higher risk of infection and involves threading electrodes into the brain through holes drilled into the skull. Deep brain stimulation has distinct advantages, Eisenberg says, but the majority of people who choose focused ultrasound find deep brain stimulation too intrusive, he says. Nancy Heverin, age 74, an artist from Freeland, Maryland, had the focused ultrasound procedure in June 2022 after three decades of uncontrollable arm movements due to essential tremor. She opted for focused ultrasound to calm tremors on her dominant right side. You're awake during the procedure so they can monitor the progress, Heverin explains. I drew a spiral and a line on a piece of paper and held a bottle of water up to my mouth. I could not believe it. The tremor was just gone from my right hand. I started crying, she says. The therapy is currently FDA-approved for treating symptoms on one side of the body, and studies of bilateral procedures are underway. And I'm so sorry, folks, we're out of time on this week's show. But for next week's program, I will finish the article and read about breakthroughs in cancer and lung health. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.